what I've learned from my research is that by introducing control for the patient, even if it's only the perception of control, that that can have a positive effect on reducing anxiety. And such control could be having control over the uh, positive distractions in the environment, like uh, selecting uh, certain scenes or ambiences. Uh, but it could also be uh, a shared decision-making where you actually actively involve uh, the patient in some uh, level of decision-making. When it comes to healthcare, technology has a pretty good press agent. But what about managing fear and anxiety, two big stressors patients deal with when facing imaging exams? To find out, we spoke with Boris de Ryder, a principal scientist of the research group on brain behavior and cognition, and Mary Beth Rasimius, business leader and part of Philips Healthcare Experience Solutions. You're listening to Philips Imaging Connections, straight talks from imaging professionals that explore bright ideas, best practices, and unique perspectives. I'm Mark Karachki. Joining us today, we have Boris de Ryder, Principal Scientist of the Research Group for Brain, Behavior, and Cognition. Boris, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. Boris, you're a psychologist who's studied the impact of technology applications on people for 25 years. What psychological factors are at play when patients undergo an imaging exam? Right. Well, it's not surprising that uh, when uh, patients are going into a hospital that they might be fearful and anxious. Uh, and that's not only due to the health issue they have, but that is also caused by the environment or the interventions or the treatments they have to undergo. And so the terms I use to describe this uh, patient experience are fear and anxiety. And those two terms are often used interchangeably, but uh, they have uh, a different meaning and they also have different uh, sources. So I think it's interesting to differentiate between the two terms. First of all, it's important also to note that we're not talking about uh, psychiatric disorders or these kind of things, uh, but we're talking about normal reactions that people or patients may have when they enter uh, a hospital environment. Fear is more of an emotional reaction in response to some threatening uh, stimuli in the environment. And uh, a fear response is typically uh, characterized by a flight or fight reaction. In contrast, uh, anxiety is more of a cognitive process uh, where people are starting to worry about future situations, and typically those future situations involve some loss of control. Uh, and so the reaction uh, in anxiety uh, situations is, is more complex than simply fight and flight, and will lead to attention drifting and people having more negative thoughts and actually being more alert for threatening stimuli in the environment. And some of the somatic effects of anxiety are things like muscle tension, trembling, dizziness, and the uh, physiological effects uh, could be higher blood pressure, increased heart rates, and uh, lower uh, uh, galvanic skin responses. So there are quite a few effects that we observe when people uh, have uh, uh, higher levels of anxiety. And an even more extreme uh, reaction is panic. Uh, panic is a very complex one uh, because it has both uh, the cognitive and the somatic symptoms, and it's very sudden. Now, why would it be important to, uh, to distinguish between fear and anxiety like I'm trying to do here? Because they both have a different origin and require different approaches if you want to reduce uh, or fight fear and anxiety. For example, when we talk about uh, reducing fear reactions, uh, one important uh, approach is to remove threatening stimuli from an environment. For anxiety, 
uh, it's actually different. In the anxiety situation, we might actually want to introduce certain stimuli to guide the thinking or the cognitive process. Uh, a, a comment that is often made is, why wouldn't you simply uh, use sedation as a technique to reduce fear and anxiety? Well, sedation is not always desirable, of course, and um, uh, it requires more preparation and follow-up of patients. And there are medical exams where uh, the patient has to cooperate, like holding a breath or uh, uh, holding certain positions, and that could be uh, become difficult under sedation. You know, Boris, it's interesting listening to you talk because we've spoken with a lot of patients and patient advocates who kind of clump these things together and they use words like anxiety or nervousness. But what you're doing here is really distinguishing between fear and anxiety to better understand it from the patient perspective. And I can imagine that that experience for them is a combination of both of those things, especially in some of the more intimidating modalities like CT or like MRI. I'm wondering, how do you address these two responses in imaging specifically? So as I said, if it's, uh, if it's concerning fear, then we tend to actually focus on removing stimuli. While it's uh, anxiety, we tend to focus on introducing uh, stimuli. But let me give you a few examples how we could actually uh, handle that in an imaging environment. Uh, so the first one is about restructuring the environment. So one obvious strategy is to hide any medical equipment or tools that could be perceived as threatening. I don't think we need much science to understand that, for instance, a syringe lying around could actually induce fear with a patient, right? Uh, however, the same holds for the imaging equipment. Uh, so by redesigning the appearance of uh, the imaging in a room and its equipment, we can create a less fearful uh, environment. And that could be by simply hiding cables, uh, using rounded corners, uh, soft lighting uh, tones in the, in, in the room. So that's all about restructuring uh, the environment and uh, removing some potentially fearful uh, stimuli from the environment. Another very interesting one is about uh, using light atmospheres. Uh, so in my own research, I've learned that specific light atmospheres can influence the level of fearfulness of stimuli. So what we did is we compared uh, different uh, lighting settings. One was a standard, say, office lighting setting uh, with a dimmed, warm light setting. And what we found is that the same fearful stimuli were perceived as significantly less fearful under the dimmed, warm light conditions. So you have the same stimuli and they are less threatening uh, under specific lighting uh, uh, conditions. Now, while the exact underlying mechanisms for such uh, an effect are not fully understood, it was also clear from our studies that this was not just a perceptual effect. So, of course, you see less in, an, in a dimmed environment but also cognitive because the same stimuli were interpreted in a completely different way and perceived as less uh, threatening. So that's about using light. So another approach to uh, reduce anxiety and fear um, is about introducing distractions in the environment. So this addresses uh, anxiety um, where one could actually present stimuli that will draw the attention away and thus shift away uh, from thoughts that uh, worry people. Um, and it's important, however, that such distracting stimuli should not put extra cognitive demands on people. So if you actually have to spend more attention to process those uh, distractions, then that will not work very well. Uh, because in such an environment, an imaging environment where patients, for instance, have to keep a certain uh, position, they already have to use a lot of cognitive uh, uh, capacity to do so. And so we should stay away from imposing extra uh, demands on them. Otherwise, we will can run into something that is called ego depletion, where uh, Roy Baumeister has been uh, publishing about. So that's something we don't want to do. But the focus here is on reducing anxiety by introducing um, positive distractions in an environment. 
And then finally, another approach that could be uh, used to lower anxiety is about introducing control or the perception of control. And so as mentioned before, anxiety is often characterized by a perception of loss of control. And what I've learned from my research is that by introducing control for the patient, even if it's only the perception of control, that that can have a positive effect on reducing anxiety. And such control could be having control over the uh, positive distractions in the environment, like uh, selecting uh, certain scenes or ambiences. Uh, but it could also be uh, a shared decision-making where you actually actively involve uh, the patient in some uh, level of decision-making. So this is about providing the perception of control to, to the patient as a way to reduce anxiety. You know, listening to Boris really made me realize that oftentimes when we talk about the patient experience, we're focused on the things that can impact their experience from a physical perspective, but not necessarily from a psychological one and how important it is to manage that with patients every day. Clearly, we all agree it's important to make patients as calm and comfortable as possible during imaging exams from a care perspective, but many don't realize that there's a financial and clinical cost associated with patient stress and imaging as well. To get a sense of the scope of these costs, we talked to Mary Beth Rasimius, business leader and part of the Philips Healthcare Experience Solutions team. Hi, Mary Beth, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. I'm always excited to talk about uh, the patient experience and how Philip supports that. Great. And and I'm just wondering, maybe starting out, what can you tell us about the cost of patient stress as it applies to imaging? Has anyone actually taken the time to quantify this? You know, that's a great question, Mark. And, you know, it's an important question to all of our customers. Um, that are looking to invest in some type of a patient or staff experience solution. Uh, you know, cost is always at the forefront of our healthcare provider minds. Um, you know, in order to look at the cost of patient stress and imaging, I think there's a couple of different areas that you need to really think about. You have to think about the high stress that patients get from anticipating going in for the examination. A lot of type patients don't even know, um, you know, what they're going in for or also the, the, that there might be some ominous diagnosis that they might get after the fact. So the stress of actually going in for that examination and having that imaging test um, causes a lot of stress and actually fear in patients. This stress and fear can also cause a patient to no-show for, the appoint, uh, for their appointment. Uh, we recently commissioned a study on MRI efficiency. Uh, we found that the radiology staff clearly felt that when they had no-shows, that it had a negative impact on their efficiency, a, a great negative impact on their efficiency. And when patients do turn up for their appointment, you also have to take into consideration all of the physical and emotional reactions that can cause patient motion during a procedure because of the stress and fear that they have. When they're in that examination and they have that motion, that also impacts the efficiency and quality of the scan and therefore can increase the cost to the healthcare provider during that examination. I want to look back to 2015. Dr. Jalal Andre at the University of Washington School of Medicine, he did an important study on the, the patient motion in an MRI. I think that some of the outcome of this is really important to, to talk about. He identified that there's artifacts from patient motion and that artifact is um, causing the need to repeat imaging sequences. And he found that that artifact is causing about 20% 
of MRI exams and those sequences be repeated. When he calculated the financial consequences of these sequences being repeated from the motion artifacts, it came to about 115,000 US dollars of lost potential revenue uh, per scanner per year for healthcare systems. I mean, that's huge and it's, it's very impactful to healthcare providers. That's a really compelling figure that you mentioned, certainly something that I'm sure imaging departments are impressed by and would pay attention to. Just wondering about some of the interventions your team is working on and if there's any evidence that it's actually moving the needle. Our team um, uh, at Philips Healthcare Experience Solutions has been around for 15 plus years. And we've used those 15 plus years to really compile research And we use that research and apply it to the creation of these clinical spaces that provide positive distraction for the patient and a calming environment. But it also provides a calming environment and a wonderful environment for the staff to work in. Our intent is not to entertain it, but we really look at transforming the patient and staff experience within a specific clinical environment. You know, there's, there's growing evidence that not only focusing on the experience of the patients, but also the work environment and needs of the staff can provide a positive impact on the bottom line for healthcare providers. I also want to go back to what I had spoken about recently with the uh, study that Dr. Jala Andre did. We also recently supported a study at Herlov Hospital in Denmark. During the study, we compared five MRI machines that were on repeat sequences. The study actually showed a 70% less repeat sequences on the Philips MRI with an ambient experience installation. Mary Beth, can you explain to our listeners what you mean by ambient experience? The ambient experience is a part of our experience solutions portfolio. We provide uh, design guidelines, really focus on what is the foundational built environment of that specific clinical space. We use a lot of what you would think of as audiovisual solutions, such as dynamic lighting, projection and sound. But this really gives those patients greater control over their environment and positive distractions. A lot of this is talking about the patients in regards to the solutions, but it also gives the staff the opportunity to have a greater interaction with the patient as they're going through this procedure and also a very positive interaction as they're they're talking about something more than the procedure that the patient is going through. They're talking about the environment and how the patient wants the environment to look. So in summary, I guess overall, the cost of patient stress is significant in any type of a clinical environment. And we really look at seeing the value of putting together these environments so our hospitals and our our customers can see the value of investing in uh, patient-centered solutions for their their patients and also for their staff. It sounds like we're definitely building a compendium of evidence that, that these type of experiences really matter, not just to the patient, but also to the overall imaging procedure and staff. I'd like to also talk to you a little bit about some more specific research that I know is being done at Philips that I thought was really fascinating uh, to learn about. It was specifically around PET CT exams. Um, There's a lot of research, I believe, being done around the effects of stress on patients during the uptake stage of the radiopharmaceutical during those exams. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that research and how it came about and where it is today. I'd love to. In a PET CT exam, for those of you who don't know, the patient is injected with a radiopharmaceutical agent 
And then the patient has to sit absolutely still for up to an hour uh, prior to having their PET CT exam. And the reason why they need to sit there is, is it to give time for that radiopharmaceutical agent. In most cases, it's, it's a, an agent called FDG. And they need to wait until that absorbs into active tissue, such as a, a malignant tuber. You know, as you can imagine, this is a very stressful time in a patient's life, as it most often is associated with the diagnosis of cancer. As I mentioned in, in this typical clinical process, the patient sits alone, uh, they have to be very still, and a lot of times providers don't really have an, an optimal place for this clinical process to happen. Sometimes a patient is in, in a space that's not much bigger than a closet to actually pass the time. And as I mentioned, it's, it's not only stressful for them because of the procedure they're going through, but also that it's associated with this cancer diagnosis. We saw an opportunity to improve that patient experience as they go through this clinical process. So we created a special environment uh, around the, the PET-CT uptake process where we provide, again, that positive distraction to the patient, calming video images and low light levels that are appropriate for that procedure and actually provide this calming environment for the patients when they're going through this very stressful time. As a part of this, we also wanted to look at the quantitative effects. You know, we have this quality environment for the patients and the staff, but how quantitatively are we making an impact on the patients? So we uh, teamed up with some researchers at the Netherlands Cancer Institute and we used a questionnaire. It was basically a self-assessment that the patients did. And the idea is we wanted to find out what was their level of stress based on how they felt doing the self-assessment questionnaire. What was their level of stress at the beginning of the period of going through the uptake process? And then we also did a questionnaire with them afterwards. And what was their level of stress afterwards? What we found was that there was a significant reduction in patient stress when using the enhanced patient uptake room for the patient as they went through the procedure. Another wonderful aspect of this is that not only from the stress level perspective, but from a clinical perspective, we also found that the patients that we had in this research group had a significantly lower level of that uh, radiopharmaceutical or FDG uptake in healthy tissue. So that is something that helps support a lot of false uh, positives when patients are going through this at the PET-CT examination. As I mentioned, the idea was to look at the impact of stress reduction with the room, but it was certainly interesting to find that we also had a little bit of a clinical impact from the uptake in the round tissue and then also the physiological effects of stress on imaging we had a, a very positive impact with this uptake room. I love that this whole ambient experience is patient-centric, and you were able to explain how it just doesn't help out the patients in terms of being more calm, but it also is directly aligned to the overall experience for both the patient and the staff with potential implications that are both financial as well as clinical. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today, and uh, thanks so much again. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. With fear and anxiety still so prevalent among so many in imaging environments, we're glad we were able to focus on the innovative ways progress is being made, from behind the scenes to right in front of the patient, in order to reduce stress, make their experience a more positive one. 
This has been Philips Imaging Connections. I'm Mark Kratchke. Make sure to catch up on every episode and sign up for our podcast and tell a friend or two. Follow us on Twitter and let us know what you think. Have a great day.